we kind of turned around and this huge what we thought was basically it was a water spout uh kind of like a tornado on the water came by uh hit our hit our kayak and flipped us over in 38 degree weather episode 341 mountain climber adventure racer life coach and cancer survivor rob harsh joins us I believe, I believe that adventure sports will improve your health. I believe that adventure sports will improve your outlook on life. I believe that adventure sports will build community, heal families, and inspire children. I believe that adventure sports will improve this planet. And I believe that adventure is fun. Travis and I created the Adventure Sports Podcast because we believe that adventure sports can make a real difference in this world. The Adventure Sports Podcast creates joy, health, purpose, relationships, memories, and second chances. Do you believe? It is our goal in the new year to double the number of listeners to ASP. Why? To double the good the show is doing. We started this show on the last day of February nearly three years ago, so by the last day of February this year, we will be celebrating double the joy, double the health, double the memories, and double the second chances. This is our challenge to you. Do you believe? Join with us. Tell others about the show. Tell them about the 340-plus episodes of stories, examples, and inspiration. Tell them about this resource that is there for them to explore and encounter. Kickstart their adventure. Kickstart a life. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville. Hi, friends. Thanks again for joining us on the Adventure Sports Podcast. Boy, am I excited about today's guest. We have Rob Harsh here. Rob is a life coach. He is a business where he guides people on transformative, life-changing adventures. Rob has climbed mountains all over the world. He's done over 50 adventure races. He's one of the people that has lived the adventure-focused lifestyle for many, many years, one of the the true experts in the field. And just one more tidbit that's very interesting is Rob also overcame stage four lung cancer. And I want to hear how he did that, because I think it will uh, reveal a lot about who Rob is and what he means by transformation. So Rob, welcome to the program. Hey, Kurt, it's really great to be here. Man, it's our honor. We're excited to hear about your business, your life, your adventures. There's so much to cover, and I mentioned this before you hit record. It's always tough to do an interview with someone like you who has done so much, because all we could do is hit the highlights or dive in just one adventure. But really, what caught my eye as I was looking over your material is how you help other people get into real adventure, and you do it in a way that's kind of unique and transformative. So... Maybe we can um, dive into that in just a minute. But before, let's get the backstory. So you live in Boulder now, is that correct? Yeah, living in, living in the Rocky Mountains. Boulder, Colorado. And you've been doing this adventure-focused lifestyle for how long now? Oh, my God. My whole life, really 30 years um, since I was a kid li- living and growing up in Chicago and and, and, and camping all through the Midwest to, to, you know, really, really going out and start a, start exploring, you know, the world, uh, you know, as a young adult and, and getting involved in, in adventure sports and climbing and mountain biking and running. And, and, you know, I just, I just, I just kept doing, uh, what I was passionate about. And, it, and it's kind of led me down this really, uh, interesting, amazing road in my life. Mm. You know, it's uh, it's fascinating when I get to visit with someone like you who's just lived it for so long. And it, it, like I said, it makes it hard to, to know where to start. But what would you say is your first real adventure sport, something that just grabbed you and you were crazy passionate about? 
You know, really, I think adventure racing um, and ultra running are, are really something I, I, I've, I've been very passionate about in my life. Um, you know, when I was on one of my very first trips um, outside the United States, I, I had the great honor of, of, of going and, and traveling to Nepal and, and visiting um, uh, uh, the Kumbu region of the Himalayas uh, and going to Everest Base Camp and, and climbing a bunch of mountains. And it's really interesting because, you know, at that time, I really thought I wanted to be a mountaineer. You know, I wanted to climb big mountains and, uh, you know, I, I just something about the mountains that really attracted me. And that um, trip was really hard uh, and I really struggled with the altitude. Um, uh, but during that trip, I read this book called uh, Surviving the Toughest Race on Earth. Uh, and it was about this race called the Raid Galois, which was a French race. And it was kind of the original eco challenge. Uh, in fact, the eco challenge was kind of the, the American version of the Raid Galois. And I came back from, from that trip and I said, this is it. This is what I want to do. So I just started looking around uh, for, for races that I could do uh, in the Midwest. And, you know, within a couple months, I was doing my first 24 hour uh, uh, adventure race. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, um, so this was a race called the Pathfinder Challenge in, in, in Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, I got to the end of that race and I looked at, at one of my teammates and I said, OK, let's go. Let's go do the Eco Challenge. And he just kind of looked at me and he said, he said, you're crazy, man. Like that, that's that's way beyond anything that I want to do. You know, maybe I could do that in, 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 in you know, a few years. But, uh, uh, you know, that's over my head. And I said, OK, I'm going to go do the eco challenge. <laughs> and I just I just went out and I really just started pursuing it. And, you know, I just started meeting more people and and finding people who were really engaged in the sport and, um you know, I think that's the one thing, you know, looking back on it now is I met so many incredible people along this journey. I mean, adventure seekers, you know, people who go out and explore the world and, 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 and play. I mean, it's like playing. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're being kids. Uh, we're, we're just, you know, we're playing adults, but we're going out and playing in the world. And I've met so many incredible people um, and, and I have so many friendships through, through this sport and experience. And, and it, it's something that, uh, I've cherished for, 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 for almost three decades of my life. Neat stuff. Hey, do you know Robin Benincasa? I do know Robin. Yes. <laughs> I thought you might. She's been on the show and, uh, we really love to hear about her adventure racing. Did you ever race with her? No, I never raced with her. Uh, always competed alongside her, and, and you know, this was the the thing I also really loved about adventure racing is that, um, you know, you race side by side with the elites. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you know, there were these, you know, I mean, I, you know, through the years, I don't know if I ever really. <laughs> classified myself, classified myself as an athlete. You know, I, I think my goal in all of these events was always to get out there and finish. Um, you know, we have that drive to compete and, 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 and to win, but, you know, in adventure racing, it was a different mindset. You know, it was really just about being out there. And, and it was, this was even with the lead teams. I mean, there, there was this nature where there was friendly competition, but there was also help. Like, you know, if there was a, if there was a team struggling, you know, you know, their bike broke down or, or something was going on with one of their teammates. I mean, you stopped and, and, and you helped that team. And if somehow that always came back around, uh, either in that race or in another race, I mean, the friendly nature of adventure racing was, was, it just, it just blew me away. So, um, I think at one point I remember, uh, yeah, I think Robin, she was doing some race and she was, she was looking for some piece of equipment and I, and I drove out to San Diego and I donated a piece of equipment for her, uh, to, to do a race. And, um, so yeah, she's, she's an amazing, inspiring person. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. One more name for you. How about, uh, Yari Kirkland Hyatt? 
Yeah, I know Yari. Yeah, she's from uh, Crested Butte. That's right. Yep. So Yari was on yeah. the show about a year ago, something like that, talking about adventure racing. So this kind of illustrates a point, Rob, and it's something that I say a lot, but I love to be able to show people what I'm talking about. When you get into an adventure sport and you start enjoying it and doing it, suddenly a community develops around it, people with a like interest. It's not just about climbing a mountain, right? It's about the people and the friendships, the, the amazing relationships that you make along the way. And so it's fun that you've met these same people that, you know, unrelated, but through your sports, we know the same people. And it just illustrates the point, I think, that adventure sports really do build community. And here's, a, here's something for you. Endurance racing, ultra running, uh, these adventure races that you've done, these are things that make someone dig really, really deep. And you can't, you can't maintain a facade in your personality when you're digging that deep. You get to know the real, the raw, who the person really is. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, this, and this was something about adventure racing, you know, and something that I was really successful at doing was you, you really have to be wise in, in picking your teammates, you know, because somewhere along the way, you know, it's like peeling an onion, you know, these layers, uh, you know, uh, peel away and, and what's left is, you know, the core of who you are. And, you know, some people, some people reach that point and, and, and they break down, uh, or some people reach that point and, and they go beyond. And, uh, it's powerful to experience that because when you're in an adventure race, you know, a 10 day long race, I mean, you know, a great example, you know, is this race I did in Patagonia called the Patagonia uh, uh, Expedition Race. And, you know, this was some years after I'd been racing and, and after, you know, Eco Challenge had kind of gone by the wayside and there was no longer Ray Galois. And, um, but but this was a really raw, raw, raw adventure through the wilds of Patagonia. I mean, Patagonia is unreal. I mean, there's 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 very few roads and trails and you're just out in the wilderness navigating river valleys and mountain ridges. And um, it's it's just raw. And, uh, you know, you're out there alone uh, uh, in this wilderness with three other people. And you're you're going, you're going nonstop. I mean, you, we only slept a couple of hours a day in these races, and um, you know there was a moment on. Uh, this is actually the very first day of the race uh, where we we had mountain biked around Torres de Pana, uh through the national park around the towers, and we had uh, gotten to a place where we jumped in kayaks and we were paddling down from uh this river from the white glacier and it was something like a 90 kilometer paddle and at the end of this paddle it spit us out into this basic basically this this narrow fjord um, and patagonia is really known for wind and weather and it can turn on a dime and so we get to the end of this river and it's opening up into this fjord and Lo and behold, there's a storm blowing in, and uh, 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 you know we're we're kind of battling some some waves and some wind, and 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 you know it's 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 cold down there. I think the water was 38 degree. I mean, 38 degrees, and there was literally icebergs, uh, uh, you know, in in this in this area, and um, you know we were thinking, okay, we're going to come around this 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 headland and come around the corner and we're going to find some shelter from the wind. And, uh, we come around this corner and, and it's just a melee. I mean, it's like two to three meter breaking waves. Uh, the winds are picking up and we're realizing, you know, this isn't like paddling, you know, a lake back at home where, you know, you come around the corner and you're sheltered from the wind the wind's actually funneling through the fjord. Wow. And so, so we get to a point, you know, where, uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty raw and, um, you know, we gotten split up a little bit, you know, we're still within sight of one another, but, uh, you know, we, we're, you know, a team of four and two double sea kayaks. And, um, 
out of nowhere, we heard this noise and it was like a freight train. And it, you know, we kind of turned around and this huge, what we thought was basically it was a water spout, uh, kind of like a tornado on the water came by, uh, hit our, hit our kayak and flipped us over, mm. uh, it, in 38 degree weather and um it was probably you know one of the one of the times in my life in one of these adventures where uh, uh i lost it a little bit um you know but but the beauty of that situation was is that within minutes uh my teammates uh, were right there uh, you know, and, and, and engaged in, in supporting and, and, uh, you know, ensuring that we were safe. Uh, the conditions were such where it was very difficult for us to self-rescue. There was actually a, um, uh, a, a Coast Guard cutter of basically a 55 foot, uh, uh, Chilean Navy vessel that was supporting the race. And they basically came and launched, uh, Zodiac boats and pulled us out of the water. Wow. Yeah. So it turns out basically every team got rescued that day except for maybe one team. Mm. Uh, and that team was lucky, lucky enough to beat the storm. So this gets to this point where, you know, you have to choose the people that you surround yourself with in life well. Oh, yeah. Um, because when you get to those moments, you know, where you're struggling with adversity or 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 just you know dealing with everyday life. I mean, you really want good friends and 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 good people around you. So adventure racing really taught me that lesson. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. You know, one thing I've been saying frequently on the show is that when you find your adventure, you begin challenging yourself. And for some people, that challenge is kind of mundane they're just getting started but it's still real for them and they're really getting that challenge for other people it gets more and more extreme and and their challenges are bigger and bigger and but the point is this it's the challenge that i think it's transformative and what you're talking about you know that's really what it's about it doesn't mean you have to be on a kayak in the middle of hurricane force winds and in icy water right it it means that you have to challenge yourself and when you do that, you learn something about yourself. And that's part of the, the beauty of adventure. Yeah. Well, Frederick Nietzsche had this quote. It says, when you find your why, you can survive anyhow. Mm. You know, so when, when you find your reason or your passion in life, it can carry you through, through any, uh, any circumstance in life. And, and so, you know, adventure racing and, and uh, adventure in general taught me a lot about overcoming adversity uh, uh, through, through following your passion in life. Um, you know, it's like, you know, you can argue back and forth. In fact, I have this, this ongoing debate. It's like this, this, you know, decade long chess match that you have with a buddy. Um, but I've had this ongoing debate, whether there's purpose or no purpose in this life that we lead. And, you know, he's a proponent that there's no purpose and I'm a proponent that there's purpose. And it's, you know, it's the friendliest kind of chess match you could ever have. Uh, but it, it's an interesting debate. You know whether it, whether whether there is purpose to this this experience or not. In my mind, doesn't matter. It's it's the meaning that we place on it. And I think, you know, going out and and being in the outdoors and pursuing sport, pursuing adventure, or just pursuing being in the outdoors and and finding, uh, you know, the beauty uh, that this this world has to offer it provides us meaning. And I think it's that meaning that helps us get through the other parts of our life. You know, so when we go on, uh, you know, a big trip and, and explore a new place, you know, we come back uh, uh, transformed in some way. And in and, and that transformation, I believe, gives us greater meaning in our lives and, and being able to tackle all the challenges that we face in everyday life. Cause let's face it, you know, this, this world is, is complicated and getting, getting through, you know, everyday existence can be really hard 
But I really believe that going out and, and pushing yourself, uh, you know, having a goal and, it, you know, I don't, I don't think it matters whether you achieve the goal or not. In fact, I think I'm a big proponent of failure. Um, I think failure is healthy. I think uh, failure is needed. I think we learn a lot from failure. Um, so just having a goal and going out and pursuing it is, is, is valuable and provides meaning in our lives. Mm, yeah, I agree completely. You know, I uh, picked up some key words, kind of a quote about your business, and I wanted to dive into those a little bit. Personal growth and transformation through three key words here, mindfulness, adventure, and embracing adversity. And I think that's kind of what we're getting into. What do you mean by mindfulness? Well, you know, I think mindfulness is 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 kind of a path towards true intelligence. You know, we live in a world where we're all trying to, you know, we're kind of addicted to information. You know, we've got Google at our fingertips and, and you know, we can basically go out and find out any piece of information that we want. But, you know, I have an argument that says sometimes, you know, that's detrimental. Uh, you know, filling our heads with knowledge and information um, can actually be limiting, you know, but, but, but through this process of mindfulness, you know, and being, uh, in the moment, um, you know, and, and, and feeling and, and experiencing the moment and, and, and reacting to the moment, you know, we learn things about ourselves that, that we can't learn, uh, through the Google, <laughs> you know, it's, sure. it's, 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 so it's, it's this idea of knowledge versus experience and, and how, what results in actual true intelligence. So, you know, you hear a lot about mindfulness, you know, I practice meditation, um, but, but for me, it's more about, um, the practical side. So when I take people on adventures, you know, it, is all about mindfulness. You know, it is about exploration. It is about play. It is about experiencing yourself through the environment that you're in. You know, and the outdoors is kind of raw sometimes. You know, you experience all kinds of weather. Um, you know, when you go to a place like, uh, you know, I take people to Peru and we go to Machu Picchu, you know, you, you have the culture that you experience, which is very different than the, the, you know, the culture we have here. It's much slower, you know, people, people go at a different pace of life, you know, so there's delays, you know, so, you know, how do you deal and react with delays? How do you deal and react with different cultures? So the mindfulness, you know, so it's be, for me, it's beyond meditation. It's, 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 you know, really experiencing, you know, everything that life has to offer in this moment. Mm, being fully present right here, right yep. now. It's official. Winter has arrived and Bentgate Mountaineering is prepared to help you get ready for your epic winter. Come check out the latest in Alpine Touring, Telemark, NTN, and Splitboarding gear. They have brands like Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Technica Blizzard, Arcteryx, Mammoth, Solomon, Vole, Never Summer, Jones, and BCA. And you do need to be safe out there. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear. They have beacons, airbags, shovels, and probes, and they're ready to help you educate yourself on snow safety. They also rent out gear so you can get your skis and your boots there as well as your avalanche safety equipment. What's more, they also have free demo ski days at local resorts so you can try out the latest gear. Now, how much fun does that sound? So swing by Bentgate in Golden, Colorado, or go to bentgate.com to find your new gear, as well as to get updates on all of their events. You know, it's fun because a lot of people that come on the show talk about how their unique adventure sport, and it could be any of a hundred different sports, right? But how their sport takes them there. And that's one of the things that they love about it. 
skiing, mountain biking, you know, rock climbing, whatever it is, the the challenge of the sport and pushing the envelope just a little bit focuses the mind. It gives you that laser focus that's necessary to be fully present in the moment. Um, I've heard other people say, well, that's fantastic, but can't you live that way every day, right? In in every way, instead of just when you're doing your sport. And uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that we learn more about how to be present by experiencing it through sports? Absolutely. I, I think that is the greater lesson. And, and you know, it, it, it is... It is a journey, you know, and it is a journey through letting go uh, and surrendering to, to certain things that might be driving us. You know, for me, you know, this seeking of adventure was kind of a double-edged sword. Um, you know, I realized that it truly was my passion in life. But there was, there was an element to where I was seeking something more. Uh, and, and, you know, there, there was an element maybe where I wasn't completely satisfied with, uh, my life as it was, I was out there seeking, uh, seeking something more, uh, you know, so it's kind of like a distraction. Um, but ultimately the journey I believe comes full circle and, and, uh, you know, helps you bring, that mindfulness into everyday life and, and truly teaches you how to overcome adversity in everyday life. I mean, there's no way in my mind that I would be sitting here today without all of those experiences of, of adventure and, and overcoming adversity through sport. I'm going to dig just one notch deeper on that. Why bother? Why bother to learn how to be mindful? Um, I, I think it gets at this quote that I, I said earlier. You know, if you find your why, you can overcome any how. You know, life is life can be hard. You know, it may be easy for you right now, but at some point it's going to be hard. You know, we all lose our youth. We all, you know, you know, we all get old, you know, we all transition into different parts of our lives, you know, parts of family life and parts of our, our work life. And, and we're always facing insurmounting challenges. I think mindfulness is the ultimate tool. Um, it's something that I teach very, uh, very deeply in, in my coaching. It's integrated into, into everything that I do in terms of coaching. I think mindfulness is probably, uh, in my mind, one of the greatest human skills uh, that we can have. You know, a lot of the way people experience their lives, you know, is, uh, you know, they aren't present, you know, in their minds, you know, their minds are stuck in the past or the future. So, you know, when your thoughts are stuck in your past and the future, you're really never experiencing the now. And I, and I think when you are truly in the now, you can tap into this passion. You can tap into this meaning in your life. And that passion, that meaning can propel you, um, into anything you really choose to do. You know, if you're stuck in your life right now, passion is the thing that can propel you out of that stuckness. Yeah, well said. Very well said. Well, what about embracing adversity? And we got to we got to talk about your bout with lung cancer. We've got to go there. But you mentioned embracing adversity as a key component to transformation. Mhm. What does that mean? Yeah, so I don't, I don't, adversity to me is not something to be conquered. It's not something to be overcome. You know, what I've learned very specifically is it's more of a surrendering. And I don't mean surrender like give up. I mean, it's a surrendering of yourself to your experience, um, you know, I've, I've, I've done some pretty hard races. Probably one of the hardest races I've ever done is the Badwater Ultra Marathon, which is, is known as one of the toughest running races in the world, uh, which is, you know, run on the hottest day 
in Death Valley. It's 135 miles across Death Valley. And, you know, you get out of your car in Death Valley and you feel like you've stepped into an oven. I mean, it's, it's 125 degrees in Death Valley in July. And, you know, you're about to embark on running 135 miles. And it's not, you know, it's not flat. You have to cross three mountain ranges. Um, and you end up at the, at, the, at, the, at the portal of Mount Whitney, which is, you know, the highest mountain on, in the lower 48. You know, so there, <laughs> you know, in that race, there were multiple, multiple, multiple times where I just had to surrender. I mean, you have to surrender to the heat. You have to surrender to the fact that your body does not operate the same at 125 degrees. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, for the first 50 miles, like my body didn't want to digest food, mm. you know, because, you know, my body's like, well, I, you know, I, I'm cooling your body, I'm powering your muscles, and I'm trying to digest food. Like, I can't do all three of those things, so I'm going to choose for you. And so you, you keep putting water and food in your body and it just keeps your, your belly keeps growing and you get this kind of balloon belly. And so like every mile, you know, for the first 50 miles, I basically stuck my finger down my throat to, you know, relieve my stomach of, wow. of its contents. <laughs> Um, and eventually, you know, like I got to a point where like, I'm just trying to figure out like, well, what can I, what's, what, what's gonna, what's gonna get me through this, you know? And it's kind of funny story because the, the, the combination, you know, I was sponsored by a nutrition company and I had all this fancy nutrition products and I trained with it and blah, blah, blah. And none of it worked at the end of the day, (laughs) the, the combination of what worked for me was uh insure you know that that pr- canned protein drink insure right. yep and red and red bull <laughs> <laughs> and I, I so i survived the bad water on insure and red bull wow um and like you just it's a surrendering you know like you know you get to a point where you're kind of like you kind of your mind is like your your body is saying i can't go on i can't go on i can't go on and, you know, in my mind, I'm saying, yeah, you can, your mind can overcome. Uh, and, 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 you know, when you, when you tell, when your mind is telling your body that your body surrenders and says, okay, I can deal with the pain. I can deal with the heat. I can deal with the, the uncomfortableness. And I know that at some point, this is going to end and you just keep going. And at some point you get to the end and it's the greatest feeling you can ever experience. But like all things, then the moment is gone and then you're just left with, you know, you, you, you know, uh, the next moment. Right. Learning how to embrace adversity had to be very important in your battle against lung cancer, would you share that story with us? Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's yeah it's it's a tough it's a tough thing because you know um, you know how does somebody like me get lung cancer? <laughs> you know somebody who seems successful and and healthy and fit. Uh, you know how does somebody like me get lung cancer? Is it chance? You know, you know, is 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 it fate? Is it karma? What is it? You know, and um, you know, so in 2016, I uh, uh, you know, I just come back. I was actually living in Peru. Uh, I went down there to to explore, and uh, you know, that's kind of where the 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 passion and energy for my business started is is trekking through the through the Andes Mountains and. I came back to the States and I was sick. Um, uh, I got to a point where I was, I was, you know, pu- uh, uh, blood was coming up, you know, uh, coughing up blood out of my lungs and, uh, my energy was off and I couldn't, I couldn't run. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I started going to the doctors and, and, and they, they didn't initially know, uh, you know, the doctors, they kind of go through this process where they're, 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 uh, uh, trying to figure out what it's not. Uh, uh, so it took, it took several months, but, um, eventually I, d- I did get a scan, uh, uh, after, after, you know, really, uh, arguing with the insurance companies back and forth and, I uh, got a scan and within about 10 minutes, they, they, they found out that I had stage four lung cancer oh. and, um, I not only had stage four lung cancer, I had the rarest form of lung cancer, um, which is something that affects uh, about 5% of lung cancer patients. And it's the non-smokers lung cancer. So, okay, that makes sense. I got the non-smokers version of lung cancer. You know, so I think initially I was in shock uh, for sure. I mean, you you, want, you don't ever want to, you know, you don't admit it, um, but uh, I, I think looking back at it, I was certainly in shock, but something took over in me. And I remember gathering all my friends and family together. And, I, you know, I looked at them and I said, you know what, you know, this, this lung cancer, you know, may kill me. But undoubtedly, along the way, it has something to teach me. And my only mission in life right now is to learn what this illness has to teach me. And so instead of going in this direction and, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's like I said, when you peel those layers of the onion back and your core is exposed, you know, some people either break or other people break through. And for me, it was a breakthrough. And it, it was a culmination of everything that I had experienced in my life um that said you know what you know this cancer you know i i actually used the words you know this is a gift Mm. this is an opportunity for me to learn something in my life that few people get a chance to learn and so i took that idea of meaning and, you know, this idea that, you know, if you know your why, you can survive anyhow, you know, and, and this is something that um, Viktor Frankl made famous in his book, A Man's Search for Meaning, you know, and this is, this is how he survived uh, the Nazi concentration camps, you know, and, and you know, this was what his, his whole uh, uh, theory was about. And, you know, I didn't know that that's what I was doing. I mean, somehow that's what, you know, that's just what happened. And um, so I really just started moving forward and saying, okay, you know, I'm going to treat this like an opportunity, you know, and and I'm going to move forward and, and learn what this has to teach me. And, you know, if it, if it, if it kills me, it kills me. Um, but, you know, none of us get out of this life alive. You know, there is an end. Uh, there may be something beyond that end. Uh, uh, but, you know, it, it, it's eventually it, it's eventually going to it's eventually going to end. So in the meantime, embrace the adversity and learn everything it has to offer you, uh, you know, between now and, and that moment. When, when the end comes. So in the end, you did overcome the lung cancer. What was it like when you found out that it was in remission, it was gone? Well, I don't know if, you know, you're ever truly healed or cured from cancer. I mean, I mean, doctors will say that. I don't know if they just say that because they have to protect their life, the liability. But, um, you know, one of the things that I did that was really unique is, is um, at one point the doctor had called me up and he said, he said, Rob, you, uh, you know, your latest scans show that the cancer is getting worse. And at that point I was kind of following a dual approach. I was following kind of a alternative uh, uh, holistic approach, you know, through diet and, 
and mindfulness and, 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 you know, all the things that I'd learned in my life and, and then following kind of a Western approach where I was taking this kind of uh, check. It wasn't a checkpoint and it, it's kind of a, uh, one of these newer immunotherapy drugs, you know, cause there was absolutely no way in my mind that I was going to do chemo or radiation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and he, and he said, uh, you know, the cancer is getting worse and, and I really want you to consider doing chemo. And so I went out on a hike that day, and and this was a point where, uh, you know, I got into a point where the cancer was so bad that my breathing was so bad that I couldn't even climb the stairs in my house. Um, You know, so I had fallen, you know, from (laughs) a very high level as an athlete to, to, you know, being barely able to walk. But... You know, this is what I knew how to do. I knew how to train. I knew how to put one step in front of the other. So, you know, part of my approach to healing was to get out and walk and just do as much as I could do. And so I got this call from the doctor and I went out and uh, I went hiking uh, up uh, a, little, a little mountain near my house. It was the in the winter, so it was, it was snowing out. And I got to the top of this mountain and I had a vision, and, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if it was because of, uh, you know, what I was dealing with, you know, was was so intense, or, uh, you know, some some of the the approaches I was taking, but I was really open, so you know, I had this vision, and and it was like it was happening right in front of me, and I had a vision that I saw myself guiding a group of people up a stone path above Machu Picchu. And it was in that moment that I decided that, you know, if, if I am going to, if you know, if this illness is going to take me, um, I'm going to do everything I can to go out and, 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 and find meaning in this journey until that day comes. So I just decided to start walking and, and training to go guide a trip in Peru to Machu Picchu. I had sold a trip. As part of my business, I had, a, I had an amazing group of 20 people from New Zealand who had had uh, put their faith in me and, and, and uh, paid their money for me to guide them on this life-changing trip to Machu Picchu. And I decided that that's what I was going to try and do. So four months later, I found myself in, in Cusco. Uh, welcoming, you know, these these twenty amazing Kiwis uh, from New Zealand on the trip of a lifetime, and uh, 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 you know, we, we got through this two week amazing trip. Had a lot of laughs. Had a lot of uh, um, amazing uh, food, amazing experiences, and in some way, you know, it was almost like I forgot I had cancer. Hmm. Um, you know, cause I put so much, uh, of my energy into my passion and, you know, my, it, the passion was all, it wasn't just around adventure. There was a passion around really making a difference in these people's lives. You know, uh, I really wanted to give them something that they would remember and something that they, they could use, you know, adventure had, had done so much for me in my life. I wanted it to do the same for other people. So we did this amazing trip and and, uh, developed these amazing friendships and relationships. And I came back from Peru. And a couple weeks later, I got a scan. And the tumor in my lung um, had disappeared. Mm. That's just amazing. Just amazing. What a neat story, Rob. I love it. And so... You're still doing the trips. You're taking people out and giving them these experiences of a lifetime. We should talk a little bit about how you do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, so I'm not one of these big travel companies. You know, I just don't offer, uh, you know, trips on demand. You know, I I have specific trips that I run and uh, specific dates. Uh, You know, I work with specific groups of people. uh, you know, so we go, you know, we do a lot of classic trips, you know, like this, this Machu Picchu trip, but we, you know, we don't take the standard route, you know, we do a very off the beaten track route. There's very few tourists on the route. We go to some other ruins 
Like we go to Chokicarao, which is uh, another massive site, almost as big as Machu Picchu, but maybe only 70 people a day go there. Um, and yeah, so the whole idea is, is kind of take these off the beaten track routes. You know, we're not tourists, we're explorers. We're adventurers, you know, so I treat all my clients like like they're adventurers and explorers. And we go out and it's multidimensional. You know, this is about, you know, doing something challenging. You know, some trips I have are harder than others, um, but they all have the same qualities. You know, it's all about uh, challenge. It's all about the culture. Uh, it's about service, you know, so I, I try to incorporate service in every trip. Uh, a lot of times we'll we'll work with a, a small village, uh, and 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 we'll go and we'll do some some project uh, at the school uh, with these kids, and we'll do some kind of cultural exchange. You know, we'll bring them school supplies. We'll 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 support them in 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 maintaining their infrastructure, and we develop a relationship with with these people because. You know, these these people who are living these simple lifestyles in, in, in these amazingly remote places around the world have something to teach us about mindfulness and 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 meaning and 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 and, and following passion in life. Yeah, you know, we may look at them and, and say, you know, they're living a poor existence, but in many ways, they're so much richer than we are here in the United States. I mean, they have community. Um, you know, they have all these things that seemingly we've lost. And, you know, so so that's part of my trips is to expose people to these ways of life that are that are totally valid. Um, but they're completely outside of, of, of our, you know, little uh, – you know, sphere, you know, where we live in this modern world where, you know, we're on the Google, <laughs> you know, so this is about going out and having an experience and bringing that experience back and applying that to, you know, the challenges and, and the way you live your life every day. Really, really cool. By the way, the website is awakenedadventures.com. And I have to compliment you on this, Rob, this is the probably the best website that I have seen in the last year or more. I, the pictures, the way it's put together, <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> it's really, really good. So anyway, awakenedadventures.com. So if you're listening at home, jump on your laptop, your computer, you can look at this while I'm talking about it. But you also have a section on training. And this is part of your life coaching, I guess, just helping people to um, meet the challenges that they set before themselves. I see fitness training, mindfulness training, reclaiming your energy, transformation training. What's that all about? Yeah, so, I mean, so, so everybody's got, you know, their thing that they're, they're you know, trying to overcome in their lives. or You know, so I help people through, through various approaches. You know, uh, I incorporate mindfulness into almost everything that I do, but I work with people who, you know, want to transform their lives somehow. Uh, you know, maybe they just want to, uh, you know, make it to the next level in their jobs. Maybe they want to improve something that's going on in their personal life or their family life. Maybe they do want to uh, 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 set a goal and go out and, and achieve some kind of fitness goal. So I apply these techniques that I've learned uh, specifically through my experience um, as an ultra runner, adventure racer. Um, but I've also, you know, had training, you know, uh, I'm a professional coach, you know, I went through schooling, I've studied, you know, all kinds of forms of meditation, I've studied, you know, Buddhism and shamanism. And, and you know, so I take just a, a lot of different approaches uh, to help people really break down the things that are holding them back in life. And I help them, you know, make that leap uh, to that next level. You know, we might be smack dab in the middle of winter these days, but spring is really just right around the corner. Make sure you've got one of our lightweight camp stoves ready to go in your pack for when the weather starts turning warmer. Both the 180 stove and the 180 flame are designed to burn the abundant wood fuels you find on the ground instead of requiring you to haul in heavy, messy camp fuels. Take a minute to head on over to our site at www.180tack.com to check out these American-made stoves that are built to last. 
You'll be helping us and you'll be helping the Adventure Sports Podcast. Thanks, guys. Well, let's dial back into adventure a little bit more. Um, I love the way that you have used adventure to grow personally. I love the way that you use adventure to help other people to learn more about what this whole experience is all about. But we've got to dive into some of your own personal adventure stories just because you've done so much. So how about sharing with us one of the best days, an experience that just blew your mind? Well, I mean, probably... Yeah, probably the pinnacle for me was um, crossing the finish line of Primal Quest in 2003 in the Sierra Nevada uh, mountains of, with the team uh, competing with um, a really wonderful, amazing friend of mine, Eric Weinmeyer. Um, he's, he's, he's somebody who uh, is very well known in the adventure community, and he's, he's the first blind man to summit Mount Everest. And and climb the seven summits. Um, that to me was an amazing journey on a number of levels because every step of the way we were engaging in things that we'd never done before. You know, so Eric and and um, uh, our other teammate Jeff Evans, who who helped guide. Eric to the summit of Everest uh, joined our team uh, with with myself and and one of my other teammates, uh, Cami Ranchetto, who was a woman that I'd raced with um, many times over the years. You know, so so they'd never done an adventure race before. We'd never guided a blind person before, and we were every step of the way learning and trying to figure out systems. Because nobody had done this before, you know. This was this was the first time a blind person had competed in an adventure race, and we were competing in, you know, our goal was to compete in in one of the premier adventure races in the world, one of the toughest endurance races in the world, uh, the Primal Quest. You know, so you know, we 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 embarked on a lot of training, and we did a practice race. Um, up in Greenland, uh, which is, you know, an amazing place to visit. It's probably one of the most awe-inspiring places I've ever visited. Uh, the landscapes are are so dramatic. Um, and it's just an adventure getting to Greenland, you know, uh, um, you know, if, you know, flying into Iceland and taking a prop plane out, you know, across the Arctic Ocean, you know, and, and then taking speedboats to the pack ice to this little island of Almasalik, um, which is very famous. Almasalik is very famous. It used to be a launching point for a lot of uh, North Pole expeditions. And I think it's famous because uh, it's the place where Admiral Byrd launched his first uh, successful balloon expedition to the North Pole. Um, so it's an amazing place. It's an island that sits off the coast of, of Greenland. And, 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 and so you can see the ice shelf uh, uh, rising on the mainland. You know, the ice shelf just kind of rises out of the ocean and rises up. And it's an amazing sight. Um, but the island is very rocky and precipitous and and uh it's very varied uh, uh terrain um and there's some glaciers and rivers and things like that but you know for eric that was an incredible challenge i mean the terrain was not suited to him it was, it was it, you know he he had commented at one point you know we had to do this this really short section uh on on day two or three of the race, which was only four kilometers long, but it was, it was this coasteering section along the coast of, of the island. And it was all completely off camber. And it was all like, it was a huge maze of jumbled granite, talus, boulders and rocks. And, you know, after, after the fact, Eric commented that that was harder than going through the Kumbu icefall mm. on Mount Everest. 
And uh, it just it beat the hell out of him. You know, his shins were beat up, his knees were beat up. Um, you know, we did our best to kind of find the path of least resistance in that race. I mean, this was what it, what we were learning. You know, the this this you know the the fastest path or the best path wasn't the shortest route. You know, we had to find the best route. So there was this the, these added elements for our team of finding uh, route finding. You know, um, so. You know, we all had purpose and jobs, uh, uh, you know, on this team to, to, you know, help get our whole team through this. Um, but I think by the end of day three, you know, we, we got into the point where we realized that 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 if we had kept going, uh, we, we, we might have injured ourselves or, or, or we might have gotten to the point where Eric was injured. So we chose to quit. Um, and for an adventure racer, boy, that's a tough pill to swallow because, oh, yeah. you know, we, we just never quit. I mean, the, the quitting is not quitting just was never in our vocabulary. So, but, but it was, it was, it was something that probably more than any experience in my life I learned from. It wasn't quitting. It was it was it was kind of the surrendering that I describe. Um, you know, we we it, it was it was intelligence. I mean, we 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 learned from the experience that you know this was the best decision for us. And it turns out, six weeks later, you know, we flew out to the Sierra Nevadas of California to compete in this Primal Quest. And, you know, everything that we had learned over the past year of training and, and going through all those challenges in Greenland propelled us through this, this incredible challenge uh, uh, of, the, of the race in Primal Quest. And, uh, you know, we encountered lots of challenge in that race, you know, bikes breaking down and, and losing paddles and, and rapids. And, um, you know, we hit a point where, you know, we get to this climbing section in the race and, and, you know, these adventure races are known for having these spectacular rope sections. And, and this race had a spectacular rope section where we were going to ascend fixed ropes up a 1500 foot granite face. And then we were going to do uh, a Tyrolean traverse, uh, you know, across a, you know, 2000 foot uh, uh, canyon uh, yeah. to the other side, and then rappel 700 feet down. Wow! <laughs> like this amazing thing, and so you know we're getting followed. You know this is this is you know this was being filmed by CBS Sports, and so you know they're following us and filming us, and they're like, oh man, we really want to film. This is what we want to film. We want to see Eric climbing. And we got to a point in that race where we, we got to the rope section and we hit a bottleneck, you know, and this was classic in adventure races where, you know, teams just kind of arrive and there's only so many ropes. So we've got to wait. So we get, to, you know, and we get there and it's a huge wait um, to get on the ropes. And, and we really we, we're confronted with this decision uh, of whether to wait or to take a penalty and 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 uh, go around that section of the race and continue forward and you know these races have time limits you know so this was our biggest concern with with you know racing with eric was was you know we knew he could do it it's just it was a matter of time you know because he was slower uh we were slower as a team so it was tough. It was tough. You know, Eric and Jeff wanted wanted to jug those ropes. And, you know, all the people with the cameras wanted to film that. And and I'm sitting there, you know, as, as kind of the de facto captain of the team saying, you know, looking down the road and saying, well, what's best? You know, how are we going to finish the race? And so we made the decision to take the penalty and walk around and it ended up being the thing that saved the whole race. Mm. Uh, because if we had not done that, if we had not taken that penalty, 
we wouldn't have finished the race before the cutoff because we actually ended up finishing the race uh, two hours before the final cutoff. So, um, uh, you know, we, we, we actually got to the opposite end of Lake Tahoe and uh, we actually had, this was a race where we had to serve out all those penalties. So, uh, before we could do the final paddle across Lake Tahoe, so we got we got to you know the 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 western shore of Lake Tahoe, you know in, in the morning, and we were looking forward to this beautiful paddle across Lake Tahoe, uh, you know during during the day, and getting to the opposite shore and and stepping onto that beach in the sunshine with you know all these people. Uh, cheering us on, and uh, it turns out we had to sit there and serve a 17-hour penalty. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> so we sat there for 17 hours, and then we we got to paddle across Lake Tahoe in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, and it was freezing out, and and we were tired, and uh, we step onto the shore of Lake Tahoe, of the eastern shore of Lake Tahoe at something like four in the morning. And, uh, you know, there was just a very small group of people there. And, uh, but, but that, that moment, that moment was probably a highlight for me in my life. And, and it was really a culmination of not just what I'd learned, you know, about doing these races, but, but the opportunity to participate and have an experience with, with people like Eric and Jeff and Cami who had, uh, you know their experiences and bringing bringing everything they knew about uh, overcoming adversity uh, and challenge uh, to that event. So, um, you know these guys, uh, the, these people are still a part of my life. Uh, in fact, Eric, Eric and Jeff and Cami are three people who've you know, maybe supported me more than anybody, uh, in my battle with cancer. That's amazing. Isn't it, isn't it just amazing how the friendships grow so deep when you go through these challenges together? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing like, like these friendships, you know, and, and, you know, (laughs) friends come and go in life. Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's easy for us, you know, to, uh, you know, sometimes friendships are rocky, sure. <laughs> but the best, the best friendships endure and, and, you know, be, the best friendships are the ones where, where you learn that, you know, we're both students and we're both teachers, you know, we're teaching and simultaneously learning from one another. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's amazing stuff. You know, we've uh, we've run the clock. Our time is about gone. But uh, we should let everybody know how they can get more information about your coaching and going on these transformative adventures with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so like, like you said earlier, you can visit me at awakenadventures.com. Um, you can follow me, uh, on social, you know, you can, you can link to my, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff where I share a lot of, uh, insights and articles on occasion. Um, you can also sign up, uh, you know, uh, uh, get a free coaching session with me, a free consultation, uh, if it's something you're interested in, uh, working with me as a coach. And then obviously there's always opportunity to come with me on an adventure. I'm leaving, um, shortly to go on a sailing adventure in Palawan, Philippines. Mm. Uh, and then we're heading back to Peru in June. And then in September, we're going to Utah and as, as, as it turns out, we're, we're doing a multi-sport trip, which is uh, uh, whitewater kayaking, mountain biking, and canyoneering. And we're actually going to be exploring uh, the Bears Ears, which is, uh, just came up this week, obviously, because there's, there's a lot of controversy on what's going on with uh, our national parks and our national monuments and um, – uh, you know, so I really encourage people to not only get out there and, and 
uh, find your passion, but but to really go out there and support um, protecting, you know, these amazing, beautiful uh, lands that we have here, uh, and and use your passion to 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 support you know environmental protections. Right, got to save it for those that follow. Right, absolutely, absolutely. It is. The, the amazing, amazing world we have is just too precious to, uh, to think of it in, di- in a disposable way. We just can't do that. It's just too yeah. precious. Yeah. Well, Rob, thank you so much for sharing your stories and your perspective and some about your adventures. I encourage our listeners to go to awakenedadventures.com, awakenedadventures.com, where you can get a whole lot more information. But Rob, it's, it's been a real pleasure hearing from you today. Thanks so much, Kurt. It's been a pleasure to be here. Oh, you bet. And as always, for all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for listening in. And until the next show, make sure that you do get out there. Have some fun. Coming up on Monday's episode, we will have Robert and Daisy Kunstetter on to talk about life and adventure in South America. Until then, get out and have some fun. You're not leaving yet, are you? Why don't you do yourself and us a favor and become a member of our Facebook group. In there, you can hear about some awesome adventures, learn how to do new ones, and share what you've been up to. And while you're on the web, do us a favor and go over to patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast and consider becoming a patron to help the show. You can also find a link to patron at the top of our website at adventuresportspodcast.com. As always, thanks for listening, guys.